Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. John Roca here. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away, which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some Rum Haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. So we are here today with Giant Size Heroes number four on this glorious May 30th, and we have a bunch of news coming at you guys. Are you ready? I'm 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 ready. Now, if you guys can't see, uh, Amy is in a saga shirt, and you can't see because this is audio. But know that Amy's in a saga shirt, and that is going to inspire a lot of conversation later on. I'm setting up the prerequisites. I'm just saying. It's pretty great. Uh, now, our first bit of news broke immediately after we filmed last week, so we didn't get to it. But I wanted to kick it off this week because we just missed it, and that is Baron Zemo and Sharon Carter are coming to Disney Plus. It is an all but confirmed rumor. It's one of those very solid, like we just need to see a frame. Uh, <laughs> But that is very exciting news because that means that the Winter Soldier and Falcon series is going to expand out into that Winter Soldier universe. And I love the both of these cast members. They're also both, like, incredible actors. So I think yeah. it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to see them in long form. What do you think? Uh, I am very, like, I'm very happy to see both of them again. It's a weird thing to say about Zemo. Real jerk, that guy. Does great uh, at it, though. But does great at it. And uh, really, uh, obviously curious to see what, if any, uh, follow-up there will be to Sharon Carter uh, in light of what we all now know uh, to be the ultimate choices of Steve Rogers. <laughs> uh, it is, it's a really interesting situation because Sharon Carter, of course, has a tremendously long and wonderful comic book history, most of which uh, tends to also involve a certain pairing that is just basically... Uh, not a thing not an in the MCU. Not, a, not a thing. Just not, a not weird a option. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Like a weird, weird option. That kiss is real different now. <laughs> 
but, you know, obviously something I, – I was a person who thought that was cool and sweet at the time because it was perfect and fit with canon and all this stuff. And, hey, she's Agent 13. She has a lot of stuff going on that isn't being Steve Rogers' girlfriend. So, yeah, excited. And I think that's what we'll get. I think we're going to get an Agent 13 contingent. I don't think we're going to get Sharon Carter – uh, affection for Steve Rogers. I think we'll get Sharon Carter, Agent 13. <laughs> and I think we'll get more Baron Zemo's, like, he plays the long game. I want to see how he ties into Winter Soldier and Falcon. I want to see, you know, Falcon taking up the mantle. This, the, I'm so excited for the show, and this casting was just more hype. Do we know when it takes place yet? There have been competing rumors. Do there we have, have anything real? N- nothing real. Okay. Just, just competing rumors. In some time that Zemo and Sharon Carter can show up in. I assume between the beginning of the MCU and Endgame, we will find out <laughs> what happens. Uh, and we also got news on the DC side that the Booster Gold script is ready to go. I am a giant Booster Gold guy. I am really excited about the potential for this. I don't know if we'll see it because of all the DC restructuring. Um, DC is obviously looking at the future with less shared universe vibes, so I think Booster Gold could live independently somewhere very well. Uh, What do you think about this news? I am into it. Uh, It's tough to say what this means in the long term because we don't know which movies, again, are sort of being put into positions of priority but I'm never going to be sad to hear that like something with Booster is ready to go because he is great Uh, and you can do a time travel comedy with Booster without it needing to tie into a bunch of other stuff you just also have cool possibilities if the other stuff exists I'm just saying I think he's a character that can live on his own and have easter eggs that don't have to tie in but could later they can really play with it you watch him talk to Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman oh in a second oh it'd be amazing she, they would have, she would sort of like, she would humor him and yeah. that would be hilarious. Oh. You know what I mean? Where she'd be like, oh, hmm, you, uh, you're sure being that guy, you know? And he would be like trying to nervously overcompensate even though she's not actually being mean and it would be amazing. I want to see failed reality TV star from the future Zac Efron as Booster Gold because <laughs> it just, his look would tie in beautifully, like especially his bleached hair right now, like the way he just carries himself because Zac Efron is one of those like really good actors that just happens to be too handsome. He's like Brad Pitt. Like Brad Pitt, <laughs> Brad Pitt's a character actor trapped in Brad Pitt's body. Yeah. He's I mean, so you know, good. it sucks to be him. But, I know the uh, horrors. Oh, but this, you're not wrong. This genetic eight-pack I work for. <laughs> uh, but Zac Efron is is one of those actors that I think that really needs the the time to shine. So I think a Booster Gold-type character would be perfect for him. Uh, and I would, like, that movie would sell because it's a DC property, it's a bankable star, and it's so topical to right now. So here's the thing. Uh, what do you think they should do with the other rumors that we heard about them working on a Jaime Reyes uh, Blue Beetle movie? Should uh, they do gold and then blue and then blue ooh. and gold? Yes. I think much like Winter Soldier, we got first Avenger Cap, Time to Shine, and then we got the Bucky Cap situation slash the Cap Falcon situation. So <laughs> I think tying things together after they each get their own thing, especially Blue Beetle, both these characters need some love. So yes, blue and gold, blue and gold, bring it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the DC Universe, Shazam! Is coming to Blu-ray, and it's going to have 20-plus minutes of deleted scenes. If you were like myself and Amy, uh, Shazam was so full of heart and laughs and love, and I was such a fan of this movie. Uh, I I saw it more times than most uh, movies, and I I want it to get a sequel. And it's it's got a writer attached to the sequel. It's got presumed director David Sandberg. Uh, All those things are great, but no matter what, until we get that announcement, I have 20 more minutes of Shazam I haven't seen. I have to also drop this in because I don't think we have had a chance to mention this in any of our broadcasts since she came to visit us, but Mm. I I feel like it would be well within... Uh, acceptable boundaries to say that when Michelle Borth came to, like, our, my biggest regret after we met her and she came to talk to us about Shazam mm-hmm. is that we did not know before we did the interview that she is a monster Teen Titans Go fan. Yes. And absolutely, apparently just flipped out through the roof with happiness when the Shazam family showed up uh, within the Teen Titans Go universe. And I was just like, that is the coolest detail ever and I really regret that we didn't get to share it with everyone. So thank you, Giant Size listeners. Now you get to enjoy that wonderful image of uh the actual Shazam family actors freaking out yeah, about Teen Titans Exclusive Go. news. Miss Marvel of DC is a giant Teen Mary Titans Marvel, Go. Yeah. Mary Marvel, thank you. Mary Marvel of DC is a giant Teen Titans Go fan, and it's canon that she is also amongst them <laughs> in her own way. Uh, so the DVD and Blu-ray come uh, out on June 16th. I, I assume digital is going to be then as well. Um, I personally love deleted scenes. I love seeing what worked, what didn't, what ties in. And this is the kind of movie where I could see like comedy deleted scenes, like an outtakes and all that world. Like I want, I want more 
Shazam. And I'm going to keep segueing because they're both Captains Marvel, and <laughs> I'm still enjoying it. We we get all the deleted scenes right now. We're yeah. getting all the Captain Marvel stuff. That home video releases around the corner. So we, we all get to bask a little bit more in this amazing spring-summer of Captains Marvel. We did get spring Captains Marvel with theater, and now we get summer Captains Marvel on home release, and it is a great 2019. Keep it up, Marvel and DC. Oh, we want more. Make good content. I'm just so happy. And then when Endgame's coming out on Blu-ray, we're going to have Joker in theaters, and those movies couldn't be more different, but both comic-y and lovely. Oh, man, that's a real sad right? back-to-back, though. You need a contract. That's like... I, Spider-Man I, Far From Home might still be out. Okay. Because that's July. Yeah. Maybe okay. it'll hold on to October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just need, we'll a need little taste. Something happy. Something I'm light just and fluffy. <laughs> you watch Teen Titans Go. It's very there comfortable. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> um, speaking of the craziness of the MCU, the Ultimates might be coming to the MCU. This is a big old rumor. I could not put a bigger asterisk next to this, but if I didn't mention it, I know a lot of people would be wondering why we didn't talk about it. Uh, this is an unsubstantiated rumor, but... The Ultimates are a beloved comic, and it is a very beautiful cast. Uh, I would love to see Lashana Lynch's uh, potential future be with the Ultimates. That, that was my first thought when I read Ultimates. I thought Lashana Lynch, because um, you can play with time, you can t- play with space. Okay, so we should clarify. The Ultimates is a title that has been used for various teams uh, since its introduction as basically the Ultimate Universe's version of the Avengers. So uh, the first response to this basic thing for for a lot of folks will be, didn't they already do that? Because the (laughs) Avengers movies drew heavily from some of the redesigns and elements of the original Ultimates run in Ultimate Comics. Uh, But there have been many later teams that used that label, uh, including now that they've merged the universes together, uh, a really cool one that Koi just alluded to, led by our own Monica Rambeau, our own meaning we both live in the Marvel Universe, that's the only sense that, of that that makes any sense. Obviously, but... we're calling from there. <laughs> That's why there's no video on this one. We're back in our universe. Yeah, it's a whole dimensional thing. We've got Tony <laughs> working on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I would be extremely down for that. And I think it's a really good way to have power sets growing. And Captain Marvel is such a powerhouse that Ultimates would kind of tie into that giant, bigger, bolder world. And the teams getting bigger, like the Ultimates, is like the Eternals in that it's like, how do you even quantify that kind of strength? How do you even, like, go there? And I think it was called Ultimate Comics Ultimates for a bit, uh, which is this team's first thing because comics are really complicated and easy to sort and totally not a problem. That was the Miles team from just before they folded the universes together, right? Yeah, and I think their first couple issues of this had the same moniker because they needed people to know it was the Ultimate Comics, not the 616 Comics. We are very comics. sorry in advance for yeah. when you try to sort this out, uh, but look for the one that Monica Rambeau is in. Yes, that one. Uh, it's a great team, and that is the one we have rumors of getting very soon, so keep an eye out. Um, once again, we don't know the shape of Phase 4 Beyond, which is very exciting, so all of these are just maybes. Uh, now, we also have a movie that may or may not be coming, and that is unfortunate because I've been excited about this movie for quite some time. Todd McFarlane's Spawn sounds like it's having some issues. Um, okay, so talk me through that. So Spawn has been in and out of production for a very long time. Todd McFarlane is attached as director, and it is a Blumhouse film with a very, very small budget. Now, the issue is Todd McFarlane's never directed, but he owns the character because it's Image, and Blumhouse is very creator-friendly. So I thought it was a match made in heaven Image. And Blumhouse are very similar. Blumhouse is kind of the image of horror films Mm. because you let your people make something for low money, high profit, celebrate, celebrate. So I thought this was a match made in heaven. But uh, the quote that came out was Todd McFarlane saying, the money's sitting on the sidelines ready to go. I just need to get everyone that wants to put money in to shake their heads to the same script. If you can imagine everyone has a slightly different version of it in their head, you just go and try to appease a handful of people while not giving in to what I said I'm already trying to do myself. Because if I have to change it too much... I just walk away from it all. So Todd McFarlane is obviously as close to Spawn as you get. Uh, it's his boy. It's his pride and joy. And I love that Todd has, like, a, a, a integrity with the character. But he also might not be familiar with how collaborative filmmaking has to be. Mm. So it's a really tricky line because Image was started about independence. It was started so you could do your own thing. Movies have a lot more restrictions. A lot more people are involved. No one's going to hand you a million dollars or ten without a collaborative nature. So I'm hoping it's it's just a learning curve because I want this movie. It is a – it's an interesting quote and it, it makes sense because it – they – this is one of the primary differences in how those two media work. And there is a reason that Todd and the others struck out on their own to form Image Comics. And uh, Spawn, like, 
is it certainly has a an important place in the history of comics now as one of the longest running independent comics, uh, which McFarlane has stayed involved in, although he's not usually drawing it anymore. He's usually writing it mm-hmm. uh, and has done so for many, many years now. They just hit 300, which is the first of... They're if, just about to, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be the longest running independent... We're uh, in the countdown. Since they renumbered Hellblazer, I think uh, Spawn and like one or two others have sort of been competing neck and neck for... Uh, Who's going to take that crown? And I, I'm not sure if you count Usagi renumbers all the time and has been going with one creator since the '80s. And but Cerebus, they don't have like a right? consistent run. Cerebus also, but not consistent because they took years off and came back. So yeah, like, and that's a whole thing. And then he's doing like weird one shots now. But uh, so, so understand it seems like this Spawn is, in is coming for the crown. Uh, and you know, since everybody else keeps renumbering their stuff, perhaps legacy number is the way to go. Maybe it gives you more pedigree, and we have these conversations because <laughs> it's easier to sort, and you also know where your comics are. And maybe it's better than just writing LGY next to a number. And then when you get to an anniversary issue, making it back to the old number that and then waiting another six issues and going back to number one. 2019 Marble Shade uh, <laughs> coming from Corey Jandro. We love them very much, and that is why we want them to be the least confusing they can be. Uh, I'm just saying Dark Knight's at 1,000 and Batman's at 80. Uh, it's not confusing at all when I know Batman's. But anyway, it's fine. It's not just Marble Shade. It's Comic Shade, and it's confusing. And we will hopefully get to keep arguing about the best approaches for the rest of our lives as they keep making these. Um, I do also – I'm hoping for the best for the Spawn production. I hope they all get on the same page it you know we're not in those rooms so we don't have any idea like who's right or wrong here uh we just want them to all uh have the right creative partnership and it seems like he's at the right studio so if it's gonna happen uh i we're all we're all excited to see what happens it's very funny that it's both a perfect match and i could see where it being the exact wrong match because of film versus comic but also if he's gonna make a film that's the right studio to make it at so but McFarlane also has a history of going into new businesses when he took on toys he did it right yeah Um, absolutely now there's a big difference between that and directing films but uh we'll see also todd in in like creativity his his ness is incredible like he's a creative spirit he loves like to grow these worlds and he, he like he sees the potential for them to grow and i i really liked what he was saying about how you birth the character but you have to let it go away to college like he talked about venom how he made venom but he loves donny cates totally different take he loved the movie and it wasn't his venom he talked about having to like let your kids go to school and i thought that's that's a really respectful way to let comics grow because you can't have something be steve ditko and stanley spider-man forever it can't live in that space and it has to evolve and i really think that he i think it'll be a really good opportunity to see a new spawn with him at the helm so i i was really impressed by todd mcfarlane's just perspective on creativity i want to see you segue to this next one i have an idea but so speaking of the world of Todd McFarlane and changing things for the better and beautiful artistic representation, these posters are not that, and that is Spider-Man Far From Home. Boy, <laughs> I was just going to go with something about sending kids away from home. <laughs> Yours was the benevolent. Mine mm-hmm. is, you know who should have designed these Spider-Man posters because he designs great Spider-Man covers? Todd McFarlane. No, these Spider-Man Far From Home posters are literally like three actors looking bored away from camera. I like, don't hate them. It's very fine, but it doesn't make you want to see the movie. It just goes... Uh, you wouldn't know you already want to see the movie. We have to ask some people who... Imaginary people who are somehow on the fence about this movie. That's another thing about the posters is... Okay, so Spider-Man, I think, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is maybe the worst Spider-Man movie. No, Spider-Man 3. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is one of the worst Spider-Man movies, but it had the best poster <laughs> because they did that uh, Amazing Spider-Man 121 cover, that yellow, and they put the actors in the position, and they completely framed it. And you know what? Because you're making a Spider-Man movie, you can do stuff like that. (laughs) Instead, they decided to make the, hey, we've got five minutes with these actors in this room. What if we put them in costume and take some stills? And it's just – I'm I'm hoping that Jake Gyllenhaal being the only one breaking the fourth wall and looking at us represents something because Samuel Jackson is looking away and Tom Holland is looking away in a different direction and Jake Gyllenhaal is looking at us. I'm hoping that's some sort of nod to the multiverse. I'm hoping it's some sort of nod to like his character being mischievous. But I might be giving it more credit than I should because, man, it's not a great poster. You um, know, it's It's certainly fine. It's, you know, they're posters. They feature the attractive charismatic stars that I am showing up to see <laughs> in these movies. Uh... I'm not sure I will be framing these and putting them on my wall, but maybe they're not for me to frame and put on my wall, Koi. Maybe but, they are for someone else to have cool, moody posters. But they could be. <laughs> and I, I benefit of the doubt is always important, but I, it's also Spider-Man. It's going to make a lot of money. Maybe play. I, I don't know. But those came out. Uh, no matter what, we're all seeing that movie. It comes out. Plus, I do dig this and I got her own character poster. Yes. Um, that has just from the like movie audience like, ooh, that – 
presumably means a lot of her. Yes, that's totally fair. And that she's chameleon for that scene. Or she's Mysterio for that scene. I'm, I'm just Of course, hardcore committed to his in advance fan theory. I, I really, I stick by him until I see the movie and I go, okay, I was I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm very wrong. excited. I'm just marking it. I don't think they say, oh, holy crap, you're Spider-Man in a trailer. I think it's Chameleon or Mysterio. But that's neither here nor there because this is Giant Size Heroes and we have more news to discuss, including that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is coming to Netflix on June 26th. Okay, so as long as that stays on Netflix, that is what we will watch when we are too sad about Endgame coming out and Joker being in theaters. Where there we're just is. like, we're going to wash our brains out by crying to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because that is always a good palate cleanser for anything. <laughs> Anytime you're sad, Spider-Verse. Anytime you're happy and want to be mellow and Spider-Verse because it's got so much. Good for what ails you. Oh, that movie's so perfect. Uh, so that'll be on Netflix June 26th. I'm curious how that shakes out because it's not a Marvel Studios film. It's a Sony animation film. So it's going to have less issues than all the Disney Plus stuff that we know is leaving. Um, and the CW is having their own properties go to their own app upcoming. Like the CW shows aren't going straight to Netflix anymore because right. there will be a Warner Media app. But we've heard nothing of a Sony app, uh, which is interesting because they're a Sony tech company. So it's it's all of these apps are fascinating to me. Yeah. Because you'd think Sony would be one of the ones on the forefront of that until they, Disney buys them next year. Because they tried original content for the PlayStation and that was like a – until sorry, until what? <laughs> I not, love that I just brushed yep, up. Yep, you did. And I, I was already lost in thought. I don't know. No, None of us know. None of us know where this is going. Uh, we're in – as everyone is pointing out, we are in the streaming wars right now. In some ways we are benefiting as consumers. In some ways it is tough because great stuff is getting lost. Yeah. But a lot of cool stuff is getting made that wouldn't otherwise get made. Uh, so, yeah, a Sony Spider-Man movie will be on Netflix uh, and what does that mean for anything else? We have no idea. It's fascinating. I look forward to going back in five years and listening to this when we were in the early days of the app wars, <laughs> before the water ran out, before we, we were, were back to cable. We were so young. <laughs> so young. So few apps. Only 20. <laughs> so uh, that's happening, and we'll see how that goes with Netflix. I'm really curious how Disney Plus affects everything, how all these apps affect everything, um, how the Sony Spider-Man-verse goes. We talked about that on uh, Clatter Heroes this week, how we are restructuring the Sony perspective on things because the Spider-Man deal runs out after the Spider-Man 3 movie. They have a six-picture deal with Tom Holland. They've done three Avengers films. They'll be doing three Spider-Man movies, and that's into the contract as of now. So I'm curious where Spider-Man goes. Um in general, but also what's going to be happening with Sony and if Men in Black does as bad as it's tracking, how long it takes for Is Disney to buy thing? them. That's oh, yeah. $40 million opening weekend, it looks like. Okay. It's not, that's not a good number for how much that cost. Yeah. And it's not a good number for, it's tracking lower than Men in Black 3, as far as I know. Men in Black 3 had Will Smith. Uh, okay. Well, it, it had the original team and it had Josh Brolin stealing the show and. Men in Black 3 has its merits, but they rebooted it for a reason. So I'm worried that if this doesn't do well and it's one of their tent poles and it continues to not do well, then Sony's in that spot. Yeah, and I'm curious. Like, the, there's – I occasionally – because I get so used to talking about superhero box office numbers, I look at regular movies and get confused about what the standard of success is. Sure. So I'm not sure if this is one of those where, like, $40 million is fine, but you're suggesting that no, it is not. I want to say it cost 110 and the production – like, production That's budget 110 good. and yeah. then I think ad was 120 Okay. I think it was even more than production budget, so I like that, that puts it at 230 and if it only makes 40 it's not going to make their money back even if international is 80 percent higher that's still not opening so that's that's uh, that's a tricky spot so i'm curious what is going to happen with sony in general and that ties into the spider-man world and box office figure wise 40 million dollars may not be a number we want for that but you know what does make us happy avengers endgame i believed in you i knew you could bring home that, i was uh, i was cycling through link you accidentally <laughs> made it was beautiful beautifully done uh, yeah, so where's Avengers Endgame standing at that box office, Koi? It has passed Avatar domestically. It is now number two domestically, not adjusted for inflation. It is number two of all time, only behind The Force Awakens. It is well behind Force Awakens. I do not personally think it's going to pass Force Awakens, but it is now only a hundred and I think nine million dollars away from passing Avatar as the worldwide number one film of all time. I think it can do that in the next eight weeks. I think it has another eight weeks in it. Uh, it made $16 million this weekend, thereabouts. So if it keeps dropping off by 50%, if it can run another eight weeks and make a little pushback, if it, if it does another 50% drop up until Spider-Man and then it has a boost, it can win. So you think – I guess if, if – yeah, if Spider-Man – Gives it a boost. I think that could work. But that that drop off of 50%, like, you have to assume that theaters will keep 
mm-hmm. keep it around as all the summer movies roll in. Uh, and I don't know whether it'll happen, but I hope it will. Because if you drew, uh, you know, a, a 50% decrease that drops it to eight next week, four the following week, two the following week, I don't think it's going to lower than two because people will be going back to it. Mm-hmm. And then in five weeks, we get Spider-Man. So I think it's going to go back up to like five and then six. So it's going to be a crawl, but I think it has, I think it's still an option. Okay. So, box I think international wise. theaters, get at us. Tweet us if you are running a theater in another country and you're like, yes, we're definitely keeping this all summer. Please. I don't know. How does your business work? And if it costs nothing, I don't know how the uh, employee tickets uh, work, but if you're an employee at a movie theater and you won't get fired for this, maybe sell a bunch of employee comp tickets so the <laughs> box office figures go up. Wait, I don't know. What? I don't know if that's legal, but maybe do it. I don't know. What? If what? you're listening. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are illegal... Uh, <laughs> Some people play by the rules, but not us. Uh, <laughs> comics. The world of comics, because I have no tangent from perhaps ticket fraud. I don't even know what crime I just suggested. And crime. Comics. Uh, sometimes you got to do a little crime. Uh, vigilanteism. Uh, agents of Atlas are all people that don't do crime. And an agent <laughs> of Atlas comics. This is last week, your tangents. I was like, how is she going to do it? This week, I went from... Uh, Sony maybe being bought to box office to crime to Agents of Atlas is coming soon. You got this. You got this. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, The Asian superhero team and the Asian American superhero team that Amy was talking about just last week Mm. is now getting its own title. Uh, This is a book that Greg Pak kind of introduced this team in the pages of Totally Awesome Hulk, which I am a huge fan of Totally Awesome Hulk. It is fantastic. (laughs) And you'll also note that Shang-Chi is a familiar character in the news lately because of the movie he's getting. So I think Mm. it's very smart Mm. to perhaps have Shang-Chi in a comic that's ongoing maybe to bring readers in. So Greg Pak and Jeff Parker are making the book with art by Nico Leon and Carlo Pagulian. I hope I said that right. Uh, it will feature Marvel's first all-Asian superhero team that includes the likes of Shang-Chi, Amadeus Cho, who is now Braun, formerly Totally Awesome Hulk, Cindy Moon, who is Silk, of who course. Who is rad. Yeah, Silk is fantastic. Uh, Agent Jimmy Wu. My fave. Alongside new faces like Lei Ling, Lin Li, and Pearl Pengen. I am so sorry for everything I butchered, but these are new characters to me. I've not heard them said, much less read them yet because they're brand new. But they are a team of crush, uh, just an Asian badass team. Like, I love this team. They were so badass in that Totally Awesome Hulk 3 issues. And I love that, like, they he gave them an in-universe origin that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, brought them all together when stuff broke out. Uh, and it like so it all flows so seamlessly from existing canon from the ways that these characters know each other um, I do hope we'll get some Kamala dropping by on this one because mm-hmm. she has traditionally been around for some of these adventures uh, but she's a busy lady she's got a lot uh, to do she's in um, Jersey a lot Kamala Khan aka Ms. Marvel has Jersey things to take care of but uh, yeah they've introduced a couple of new heroes for this that got like really cool collaborators uh, and a bunch of our faves Jeff Parker wrote my favorite previous runs of Agents of Atlas and Greg Pac wrote this team and Amadeus Cho and a bunch of that best stuff and a bunch of your favorite Hulk stories if you haven't noticed. Uh, yes. So these two together are just going to be a rad, rad combination and uh, yeah, I, I I love that they greenlit this. Uh, <laughs> I love that this is happening and I hope that you all show up and check it out with us. I am also intrigued by what happens to Thor next because Jason Aaron is ending his long and incredible run on Thor. So Jason Aaron has been writing Thor since 2012. And even though I talk about this constantly, I still feel we don't talk about this enough. Have I got that number right? Because I feel like I've got that number right. Seven this years. This is an all-time Thor run. It is hard to tell because it is broken up across a million different series. So it kind of snuck under the radar, I think, for people. They've only were- rebooted Marvel four times since 24 issues of God of Thunder followed by a full run of Mighty Thor followed or followed by a, a full run of regular Thor I might have those backwards Secret Wars happens in the middle there but they come back as if nothing had happened and I think that's when it becomes Mighty Thor uh, that one wraps up it goes back to being Thor it's been a, it's just been this thing of like whatever whatever the next Thor book that says Jason Aaron you want it it's the 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 drum I've been beating for I think the entire time since that started. Is that right? Do I have my number right? Uh, I'm looking here, and like his work is just incredible in general. Uh, it looks Look like for Thor, God of Thunder number one. There it is, uh, November 2012. Y'all, whoa! And 12 history making run for my money. Uh, Jason Aaron has been working on Thor and the Thor universe this 
whole time. We talk about how we don't have these big long runs anymore, uh, and there is one going on right under our noses. Uh, and and so essentially, if he's ready to be done, we have to let him go. I think that we are required to, but it doesn't mean we can't shed lots of tears. Now, why do you think we don't feel like we have these long runs? Is it because they keep renumbering, and perhaps they're on uh, issues that they don't need legacy numbers, and they should just keep their numbers the same because that helps collectors and helps people understand what's going on. Even though new number ones are very accessible, you could have number ones of an arc and let people know. But that's they've neither tried here that. It also gets confusing. There. Uh, there to put are... it in perspective, <laughs> 2012 is the year the Avengers came out folks. Yeah, that's how long the same guy has been writing the Thor comics, um, which have been just excellent in a bunch of different ways since then. The final story will start this August. Uh, So, essentially... Jump into the beginning of that. Get on your Marvel Unlimited. Get the trade paperbacks. They've collected it in a couple different ways, uh, but you're looking for Thor, God of Thunder to start you off. Um, you do want to read through all the Jane stuff because it's fantastic mm-hmm. um, and because why would you skip the middle of Jason Aaron's epic history-making Thor run and because you're not a jerk. Uh, so, you know, just all of that. I also want to point out that this might be the first time in history that a comic book Thor has only gone to gone through two major changes while the movie Thor has gone through four. <laughs> We've had four different movie Thors in the time that one writer has written comic Thor. And though that means Odin's son and Jane Foster, that's way less transitions than movie Thor had. And that's incredible. <laughs> I just got to point out, we went from Joss Whedon Thor into Alan Horn, not Alan Horn, uh, who directed Dark World. Uh, uh, basically the, the Guardian. Alan Taylor. Thank you. Alan Taylor's um, Game of Thrones Thor into Ragnarok's Insanity Thor into the mix of both of those into the Avengers New Wave Thor into freaking Lebowski Thor. I also, I feel guilty about my hyperbole. Not everybody who's skipped the Jane stuff is a jerk. Some of the people who did were jerks. Okay, now that we've been more specific, <laughs> Not mutually you exclusive. should read it anyway. It, I, I am a big fan of the Jane Thor stuff. Uh, Jane Thor. Yes, Jane Foster <laughs> Thor stuff. Um, and also, wrapping up for the last time until it's rebooted, Squirrel Girl's in there. All right, I had to sneak this one on here because, once again, one of these runs that, uh, you know, there is an element of truth that we don't get as many big long runs anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since running since 2014, 2015, beginning of 2015, uh, was when we got a new take on a character who had been, like, the best-kept secret inside joke character. Mm -hmm. She was already loved. She already had a a funny little place in Marvel Universe canon. She'd been used uh, in Dan Slott's... uh, Great Lakes Avengers? Is that the book I'm thinking of? I believe so. Uh, she had uh, made notable guest appearances in Bendis' New Avengers, but she'd always been a fringe character who was sort of inherently a joke. Uh, and somebody showed up to be like, you want a joke? I will give you the best joke of your life, and it will last for five years. Uh, and his name was Ryan North, and he and Erica Henderson, who was his artist for most of the run, uh, and Derek Charm, who has taken over for this last chunk, uh, made a book called Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, a title that in no way should have worked and was brilliant beyond brilliant in a way I cannot describe and I will spend the rest of my life trying to make everybody hip to it. Uh, But I just want to say we appreciated it while we had it. Uh, Squirrel Girl will be ending with uh, issue 50 of her current run, which is 58 of their run together. It's a thing. Comics. Comics are like this. If you could see me, I'm shaking my head very slowly. (laughs) we, we learned that they will be stepping away. They will be wrapping up their many-year-long saga of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Just the funniest, smartest, silliest, most heartfelt book uh, that was never dumb but always kid-friendly. A weird balance that flourished in the side area of the Marvel Universe through everything else that has happened in since the beginning of 2015. Uh, and... I mean, we're just, we're talking about stories. We're talking about literature, right? The same way that you watch, there's a certain director whose every movie you will watch because you just love the way they look at the world. There's a certain writer whose everything you will follow because you love the voice that they write with. That's what Squirrel Girl is. It is a weird artistic achievement that is like nothing else that I'm so glad got to exist. Okay. I didn't plan a giant tribute to Squirrel Girl, but y'all. You know who got canceled a lot? Deadpool. (laughs) And you know who's doing okay? I feel like Squirrel well, Girl's going to be back. I don't think it's been canceled, but it is one of those where I think they're moving on because right. it's been a, a long time. And it's one of those, I am preparing myself for the fact that I may never love anyone else writing Squirrel Girl the same way I love this magical chemistry. 
I would love to be wrong. Play this tape for me when I'm like, <laughs> I was a fool. So-and-so squirrel girl is the real standard. Because you're right. The same could be said for many Deadpool runs where you're like, what if we never have it this good again? Right. And uh, there's always something new and it's always a different take. And you're always like, oh, this is new and exciting. Yeah. And that's comics. Also, you know that Squirrel Girl uses Deadpool trading cards to learn her supervillains, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. I, I consider them very parallel on purpose. <laughs> I love them both very dearly. Uh, now, I'm gonna do, we're going to go into the comic book pull list. But before we do that, I'm going to do something I've never done before because this is giant size so we can do something giant size. I read a lot of comics every week. This was the hardest pull list I have ever had to narrow down. Oh, we're cheating. It only took us three weeks to abandon our own plan. This, yes. These are my pulls that I'm reading this week because, good God, is it the best week ever. Okay. Go, go. Ascender number two. Age of X-Man Extremist number four. Amazing Spider-Man 22. Batman Last Night on Earth number one. Black Panther 12. Daredevil 6. Doomsday Clock 10. Fantastic Four 10. Giant Man 2. Heroes in Crisis 9. Fight Club 3 number five. Immortal Hulk 18. Marvel Comics Presents 5. Magnificent Miss Marvel 3. Major X 4. Saga 19 through 24. I already read. Sex Criminals 11 through 15. Just read. Spider-Man City at War number four. Superior Spider-Man number six. Superman Leviathan Rising Special number one, Thanos number two, Thor number 13, War of Realms Spider-Man 2, War of Realms War Scrolls, uh, Wolverine Long Night number five, X-23 number 12, X-Men Grand Design Extinction number one. (laughs) It is the best week. And most of those are like, would be number one on my pull list. I just read 20, like nine comics (laughs) that could all be number ones any other week. And also, there's a Saga hardcover number three, which is why I read those specific issues before today's show. Heck yeah. Guys, those are the comics out this Wednesday. If you think comics those are just dying. The ones, yeah, that's, that is a portion of, like, there's about 100 new comics every week. There's a lot going on out there. And that's just the ones that have paper copies arriving in stores. That doesn't even count web comics. It doesn't even count webtoons. There's so much going on out there, y'all. And that's just what I'm, I'm suggesting to pull. I'm also going to read Detective Comics Annual number two. I'm going to read Dog Days of Summer. Those are literally my highlights because I've been trying to read about 50 comics a week like a psychopath. Sometimes 107. 107 <laughs> was my record. 107 comics a week is too many comics. Um, but that is just the stuff I would recommend to you. And that's insane. Uh, what is from the comic store perspective side? Have you seen a week with Heroes in Crisis ending, a new Doomsday Clock? Like, uh, Hunted is ending an Amazing Spider-Man. Like, this is insane. This this happens. This is a seasonal thing in comics. You get a week where absolutely everything co- wants to come out at the same time. Usually it's right around a convention where somehow everybody's, like, launching their new exciting title. And you have, like, it's going to happen to us when we get to San Diego and then to New York Comic Con. We're going to have weeks like this where we're just like, what do we even do? Uh, but, yes, it is never a wrong time to stop and bask in the glow of the golden age of comics, which is ongoing. Because, like, Major X number four already sold out. That's out this <laughs> week. And any other week, Major X would obviously be on my top but it there's a mortal hulk has never not made the list but it couldn't because we have heroes in crisis doomsday like what okay let's run down the ones we talked briefly about our, oh, our, our actual official list? F- top five <laughs> well then and then eight hey, there's there's so much i i got through honestly i got through the movie news a little faster than i would normally so we could live here for a bit yes because we're it's giant size you guys. all signed up for this comic book podcast right? <laughs> uh so tops on our list x-men grand design Extinction number one. Ed Piscor. Now, I don't know if you guys are watching comic book shopping because that's a separate thing. I totally understand if you're not, you should. But you may have noticed that almost every single guest has been has gotten a copy of X-Men <laughs> Grand Design because I'm obsessed. We have a very exciting guest coming up in two weeks. She also got X-Men Grand Design for a very specific reason. Ooh, alluding. Mm, uh, sneaky, sneaky. And Ed Piscor also wrote a very important to me hip-hop anthology uh i don't know how many of you guys do like detailed notes with you because you would have read this as the guy who knows everything and i read this as the girl who knew nothing (gasps) like this this is where i learned everything oh that's we can just do that right now okay so (laughs) hip-hop family hip-hop family tree uh and it is a retelling of the the early like 70s and 80s uh development of the art form of hip-hop if you guys don't know me uh, on, on my non comic stuff, next to 
comics, movies, hip hop is my true love. I love the hip hop world, culture, music, flavor. I love everything about it. It's what I listen to 95% of the time. And Hip Hop Family Tree combined comics and hip hop <laughs> so magnificently. It's educational. It's inspiring. It's like watching, you know, those movies you very watch. Very funny. And very funny. But you know, those movies you watch that when you're in the third act, you're like, I got to work out. <laughs> it's that in a comic, and you're also laughing. Uh, it retells hip hop. Do, do you feel like you listen to music differently after reading it? I do, 100%. Because you know, like, these, what these I people mean, have been through. And okay, not to completely give people a, an impression of who I am, but the, discovered this comic, and then within a couple of years, Hamilton came out. And between the two of them, I have never listened to music in the same way again. That's amazing. I'm that kid. Uh, oh. Like, and you know, I obviously grew up with a little bit of awareness of stuff like that, but I definitely wouldn't have been like Ed Pisker in tweeting out his new X Men because uh, he loves X Men. He was uh, a, a a comic head from way back, uh, and he tweeted out uh, a preview of the story chunk of the X Men's history that he's doing this week, and he uh, his caption for it was Midnight Marauders. Yes, a thing that would have gone completely over my head several years ago. That's beautiful. So you, you are, are permanently affected by reading this book about hip-hop. Yep. So that means that you, dear listener, if you're not a hip-hop fan or you're a casual hip-hop fan, it is a great opportunity to understand the insanity of where the music that is so mainstream now started, how it began. It's not – hip-hop is so young that some of the original, like, spinners are alive still. People that invented the art of hip-hop you can interview. You can talk to – that's like meeting the guy that invented jazz. Like, <laughs> it's insane how young the art form is and it's so mainstream. Like, I grew up listening to Tupac and N.W.A. and Nas and Tech 9 and now Eminem. And I just – I love where it's evolved to. So Ed Piscor captures that feeling. And then his X-Men has that flavor. <laughs> and literally, I couldn't be more excited for this book. And so this book, Grand Design, has been told format-wise. Here's just to, to let you in on this. He the, the overall project is a history of the X-Men told in small chunks. Now, the way he has chosen to do this is that he'll take an era of the X-Men, condense it down to two issues, do a part one and a part two, and then put them together in like a cool oversized uh, – like it, we could do a whole separate hour on his color choices and his paper choices and Beautiful. all of the the technical craftsman aspects of what with these products he's making. But that means you will get Grand Design one and two in your first package. You will get Grand Design Second Genesis, which is the middle act of the story, which was also broken into two chapters uh, that then got collected into a nice oversized Second Genesis. And now the one that comes out this Wednesday is the beginning of Act Three, mm -hmm. essentially Extinction Number One. So that's why, not to get back into the numbering thing, but that's why this is the fifth Grand Design comic, but is a number one, because we're beginning Act 3. He's taking you into this next period of X-Men history. Mohawk Storm is front and center. Yes. And as you all know, she's my girl. Uh, she's all of our girls, in a good way, that we worship her. Uh, and uh, very, very excited. And also to give further hints, because this will be very uh, abstract, the uh, guest that we have on that we talked about this very specific book is also someone who may have been involved because Ice Cube was involved perhaps in the Straight Outta Compton movie. So <laughs> I just think that everyone should check out this book, uh, Ed Piscor. I also love his, his visual style as much as I love his – like I love his words and his visual style because he's a cartoonist. Yeah. So his books feel like nothing else and I love the way he prints in a this different This is medium. an Ed Piscor appreciation hour. You yep. didn't know that was coming. Also but, uh, here. It's just one of those – He's real good at what he does. Uh, he has a style that looks sort of like someone doodling in their notebook, except impossibly well-crafted. And I like that he takes uh, slight, you know, variations on the story. Like, there are some things in Grand Design that didn't happen in the in the continuity, and he can play with mythology and read these books. Okay, I, I could literally, <laughs> we could do two hours on, on Ed Piscor alone. I agree. That's next week. Uh, actually, no, Saga and Ed Piscor is next week. Uh, this week, Batman Last Night on Earth. Scott Snyder. I, you know, Scott Snyder, I love Court of Owls. I love what Scott Snyder did with Batman. I love the way Scott Snyder just goes. And when he's with Greg Capullo, he is unstoppable. <laughs> Greg Capullo is, for my money, one of the greatest comic artists working. Greg Capullo's line work is so clear. It's so photorealistic while being heightened at the same time. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, his characters look different, which is, I know that's a weird compliment, but it's really hard to do. Uh, like, there's a lot of artists I love where all their characters look the same, and I have to accept that fault. He, everyone looks different. Everyone has has a voice. Everyone has a flavor. Greg Pulo is incredible. This is the last team up with Scott Snyder and Greg Pulo. They have done a definitive run on Batman. They're doing one last story, which is Batman Last Night on Earth. If you ever look at, like, 
Batman the Killing Joke or even as more recently as Court of Owls have been like, man, I wish I was there opening day at the comic store to pick up this movement. Get this book. This is going to be that. This is going to be that giant genre redefining thing. Uh, Bruce Wayne wakes up in Arkham Asylum and he's young and sane and he was never Batman. That is the log line. What more do you want, people? It's going to be a miniseries, so it's not a big commitment. If we turn out to be wrong about it, changing the face of comics, all you're out is a really fun comic that you probably enjoyed reading. Yes, but you have to accept Coy with hyperbole. He's going to yell some stuff. Some of it's true. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna take credit for. Some of it's even true. Uh, we also have Heroes in Crisis number nine, the end of Heroes in Crisis. Tom King, who also, if you haven't watched the Speaks Collider Heroes, was discussed in length on our Hero Show because Tom King has been in the news lately. Yeah. Uh, Tom King with Clay Mann, also in our Collider Heroes episode, uh, are doing a mini that ends with issue nine, which is this week's run. And I have been in love with this book. Have you caught up, Amy? I have not. Okay, because we, we had... But now the ending is here, so I'll so just you know where it lands. get all the way through it. It's a really interesting book, and it talks about mental health in a way that is very frank. It talks about mental health in a way that is very controlled, and it's very honest. And I really appreciate the fact that this is a book about heroes that we look up to being open about something that a lot of society looks down on. Uh, mental health is just as, if not more important than physical health. General health is how we stay alive. And we, for some reason, have decided that like having a root canal is not a faux pas, but having a depressive anxiety disorder is or having any sort of mental qualm we like just think we can toughen up you don't tell someone to toughen up with a broken leg and yet if someone has a mental thing you do so that is disgusting as americans we failed but we're working on it society and we're working on it with comics because comics are the gateway into breaching the gap between accessibility and communication and this book does that so i love everything you're saying heroes in crisis is i think one of the more important books on the shelves right now it ends with issue nine i have not read it yet but i'm really impressed with what tom king has been able to accomplish in nine issues and i am in love with the fact that mental health is in the everyday conversation yeah uh a book that will just make you uh emotionally release uh saga hardcover three comes out this week i had to put this on the list because uh we've been talking about it so much lately which makes me real happy <laughs> you you know as soon as we're done with this podcast i'm gonna be like coy tell me everything you think about saga and sex criminals oh my god uh but saga hardcover three the third of the giant chunks that they're collecting the book into uh Essentially, you can read Saga any way you want. You can read it issue by issue. You can read it in the paperbacks, uh, which are usually about six months. And you can read it in these hardcovers, which are usually 18 issues. Uh, and you can put them on your bookshelf, and you can treasure them forever, and you can enjoy all the beautiful extras and the art by Fiona Staples and the unparalleled writing by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, obviously, do not jump into this one if you didn't start at the beginning, because why would you do that to yourself? This is a series you should start at the top. I absolutely agree. There's some comics you can pick up at whatever issue, but Saga is – it grows. It, it's organic. These characters – you fall in love with you just hated last issue last page you could hate them the other page the other panel and then all of a sudden the game has changed uh i am i am early into this journey i am at issue 18 and i am in so much love with this universe that i can't begin to describe last week i said that it was been hyped like for like five years and it's changing my life this week my review is that it's re-establishing what i think of as protagonists and antagonists oh my gosh uh in movies, I've seen the thing where I've fallen in love with the character and they turned out to be the antagonist. I've never quite felt it in comics this strong. There, there are anti-heroes, sure. Like I'm reading, you know, Hundred Bullets simultaneously, and there's certain <laughs> characters that aren't good, uh, but they're not. They're, you, there's less bait and switches. Like you're kind of you got some inklings. Saga just keeps being like, by the way, <laughs> and maniacally running away. And uh, it's, the, it's the endless surprise of Saga is everybody's just doing their best. And their best is uh, sometimes wildly at odds with each other. I, I, I'm to the point, and this is uh, a, a non-spoiler, but so you know where I'm at, okay. where one of the characters has developed a habit which is causing problems. Oh, no. Oh, so no. I <laughs> had gone through like, well, at least the good people are handling things well. And all of a sudden I was like, I can't hang with the happiness dying. Oh, no. It's so powerful. It's so impactful. It's doing what Mr. Miracle did to me, where I just can't stop, and I'm so affected day to day. I'm so glad. It's real good. We we are real uh, jerks about it. When you buy Saga Volume 1 at the store, there's a reasonable chance that I will be like, cool, see you tomorrow for Volume 2. <laughs> <laughs> Hope uh, you're going to cancel your plans because you're not going out tonight. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to just have something that's like, there's a, an overwhelming chance you're going to love this. Please enjoy. Uh, yeah. Report back. And it's like nothing else. Even if, if for some reason you don't like comics and you're listening to this podcast, say say you were flipping through like a, like a TV and you found this podcast and you were like, giant size, that sounds exciting, and you've never read a comic, 
you could read Saga. And that is not something I can say very often. You can pick up Saga number one and never... I will never... periodically remind you mature content. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're over 17 or have cool <laughs> parents, because I'm the bad influence of this show, uh, then you can read Saga and it'll change your perspective on what the medium is. If I could uh, clockwork orange Bill Maher, it would be with Saga. If I could strap him down, keep his eyeballs open, show him that comics are high art, it'd be with this. Oh, my God. He doesn't deserve... He doesn't deserve the art. He doesn't deserve the glory. Uh, I have two more picks this week that will help to brighten your days. One is the dog days of summer. This is... I I have loved... DC is doing these weird anthologies that are just like, I don't know, we picked the theme. Uh, And this one is the animals of the DC universe, and I am so excited for it. Uh, Earlier on on Heroes this week, you would have heard Jay Washington getting very excited for Bat Cow. (laughs) It is always a good time for Bat Cow. It is always a good time for Crypto. I love that they were just like, you know what we have? is a bunch of cool things we could tell stories about. Let's do it. It's just basically like a giant party. Uh, And I need to throw in a special shout-out for a book that would have shipped yesterday. I am putting this on my list because of a backup story (laughs) in issue two to a tie-in. This is the first week in weeks that we did not put a random War of the Realms tie-in on our list, and it's squeaking in anyway. (laughs) Because War of the Realms War Scrolls number two. Okay, full name. War of the Realms War Scrolls number two, which is primarily a Daredevil story, uh, has a backup story in it, written by uh, Anthony Oliveira, uh, who is just a really funny, interesting guy who does, like, a podcast on uh, Paradise Lost. Just a really interesting online guy that I've been following for a while. He goes by at Mayakupa on Twitter. You might be familiar with him already. He is writing a Billy and Teddy Young Avengers backup story in this issue of War of the Realms War Scrolls. Uh, It is called my drag brunch with loki yep and you uh should by this point in my description already know whether that is immediately on your pull list (laughs) uh young avengers is one of my favorite titles it has uh been published on and off since jim chung and alan heinberg created it uh in the wake of uh the avengers disassembled story that bendis was doing uh i love everyone on the young avengers i love billy and teddy specifically uh and I am very, very excited to read this. I'm, I'm, this I'm, there's no limit to the amount of time on this podcast, well, which I will spend on what is probably like a six-page story. Uh, but I'm really excited, y'all. I just put together the, their Bill and Ted in this moment. <laughs> in this moment. And I just wanted to share that with the audience. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I need to, before we move out of comics, I need to mention that I am at, not at 18. I'm at issue 24 of Saga because two characters just teamed up you'd never expect, if that helps. Yeah. And I've limited myself to six issues a week hard because I want it to last nine weeks. Mm-hmm. My goal, because it's at 54 and I don't know when it's coming back because it's on a hiatus. I literally opened and closed the Comixology app, opened to the 25 cover and put it down 19 times because I started <laughs> counting. I was at the willpower alone. Also, this was at 3.30 in the morning because I couldn't sleep last night. So I just opened Saga because it's usually my Tuesday read. Instead, it was my Monday night read and I couldn't stop and I had to let myself. I haven't read 25 yet, but 24 ends on a cliffhanger like you wouldn't believe. It's incredible. <laughs> Also in the world of comics, uh, I need to point out last week a book did not make my pull list, and it is one of my favorite comics of the year. So while it's still on the shelves, please pick up War of Realms Strike Force Land of Giants. Oh my god, these titles. That's why it didn't make the list, because I like that's who knows what they're all gonna be. I'm reading them all because I'm crazy. But War of Realms Strike Force Land of Giants is the team that Cap assembles to go rescue Thor from the Frost Giants. And at one point, it's written by Tom Taylor, which is all I need to tell you. Tom Taylor plus Avengers. Tom Taylor writes one of my favorite Spider-Mans of all time. And at one point in this book, he is riding a horse, a Valkyrie horse, talking to it. And you see him talking for multiple panels. And then it cuts to a wide and you see Spider-Man going, nay, 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 nay. And everyone's like, what the? And it's one I laughed out loud with such gumption that everyone in the coffee shop stopped what they were doing. Like, have you ever had those moments, like, they feel like a nightmare, but they're really funny nightmares? Like, I read comics in public like an idiot, and this happens way too often. Now that we're on Giant Size, you'll hear me make embarrassing stories at coffee shops a lot, because I do this a lot. I guffawed, belly laughed like Santa Claus. And I was in public. So this book, Tom Taylor, I hope you're listening because you made me so embarrassed. Uh, Strike Force Land of Giants number one is one of the best comics I've read all year. It is an A+. I rarely do A-pluses. It is as good as the other plug, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. Did you read? No, I haven't read it yet. It is, to not give anything away, as emotionally wrenching as The Boy Who Collected Spider-Man. Mm. It is The New Boy Who Collected Spider-Man. Oh, my. Whoa. It broke me. Whoa. 
Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. It's it's a one-off issue. You have to read nothing else, and it shattered my my sense of every. It, it broke my heart in the best way. Like it's so heartwarming. So those are my two plugs separately of the week. Just go to the store, pick up Friendly Neighborhood number six, and Land of Giants. It's uh, that good. alluding to a classic Spider-Man story. Uh, you will probably find it if you Google the words that he just said, uh, and it is high praise, and that is awesome. Yeah, it's something. Uh, so yeah. Comics. Uh, into the world of TV. Comic TV. We have new pics of Swamp Thing, and they are awesome. And someone in this room may have seen the first two episodes. It's Coy. He's seen them. I'm excited. Ah, I haven't seen them yet. I'm and like, y'all know I love my Swamp Thing. We've been waiting for this adaptation for so long, and I uh, can now begin the process uh, because the finale just came out, and, and uh, I've realized that I have been way too quiet about Doom Patrol. Mm. Uh, but Koi, I we need to talk about Doom Patrol because it is a standard-setting, unbelievable accomplishment uh, in superhero TV, uh, and not enough people know about it. Uh, so I'm hoping that Swamp Thing will be the next chapter in that and will salve the wound of uh, not having any more Doom Patrol to watch, uh, which I am currently going through. Real, real, uh, real. Uh, uh, that's the word. the word. There we go. Uh, if it helps, Swamp Thing drops tomorrow. It does. On the 31st. Yes. So you'll be ready. It's right there. And it is the supernatural answer to us not getting the Dark Justice League you've always wanted. Wow. Is that, is that, without giving anything away, that's my plug. It is, it is the Guillermo response. See, that's that. That's exactly what I would want to hear because when those things were in the air, I was like, I certainly will watch this, especially if it's Guillermo, but I kind of wish they were just doing Swamp Thing. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's very much that. And we're, of course, talking about Guillermo del Toro, not Guillermo of Jimmy Kimmel fame. He might do great work, but I don't know. He goes by Guillermo without the del Toro. Uh, <laughs> so we have that dropping tomorrow. I love the first two episodes. I'm very excited. It was my most anticipated DC Universe show. I'm glad to say it is living up to that. Uh, it the- is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yes. Uh, uh, and I, I'm very excited that they're, they're doing the thing. Also, but if it's anything like Doom Patrol, they are unafraid. Oh, they're going. And they, they do. They just go. And it's art. So if you're if you're sensitive, be aware. Uh, also, if you haven't read, now that we're in spoilerish territory, if you haven't read The Boy Who Collected Spider-Man, read Friendly Neighborhood first and then read it. They're not related directly, but I'm really curious your response to reading those in that order and how they affect you because one came out in the 80s, one came out now. And I'm always curious, like with Ultimate Spider-Man versus yeah. Dicko Spider-Man, how you feel. So if you read them both, tweet me because I'm really curious. Okay, jumping back into R-rated, can't believe they did this in comics, can't believe they ever adapted it territory. <laughs> Jessica Jones, she, she's good at the tangents, guys. <laughs> I just make crude comments. Jessica Jones is coming to Netflix sometime in June, and we know the date now thanks to a trailer that just dropped June 14th. We are getting Jessica Jones season three. They have been very cryptic. Uh, the newest trailer basically just calls her a fraud and cuts away. Uh, so it is... No, none of us know what to make of, like, it must be a weird position to be in to go out and promote a show that you already know is canceled. Uh, but the good news is we have one more season of Jessica Jones to watch before that is done. Uh, and I remain grateful that this show ever existed at all, and therefore we'll just appreciate what we get. Uh, and, you know, stay tuned for future grief outpourings when I'm like, oh, no, I'm out of Jessica Jones. Not there yet. That's still in the future. I am not yet out. Of Jessica Jones to watch. On June 17th, when you see an outcry on Amy's Twitter, you'll know the three <laughs> days have passed of watching Dolph of Jessica Jones and that it's now over. I will go back and watch Doom Patrol again. That's fair. Is there what I will do. That's yourself. And by then you'll have at least three Swamp Things. <laughs> Just saying. DC. And friggin', okay, it's not comics, but Good Omens. Good Omens is coming out this weekend, yeah. and I'm so excited. Neil frickin' Gaiman. Neil that totally Gaiman. counts as comics. That's comics adjacent. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna count it. Terry Pratchett. Oh, okay. we're living the best time for entertainment. It's absurd. Uh, now under our Twitter questions for the week. Uh, some of these are just comments, but you guys are sweet, so I wanted to give you some love. Uh, DMMagar at Magar Mentions said, "Thank you, Koi Jandro and Enthusiami, for making me not not making me feel bad about having to get all my comics from the library." I'm excited because my library has Saga now. Yay, your library rules and everybody's library rules, and I'm so happy you sent this comment. So we wanted to thank you. I also love hashtag sweaty in the library. Uh, <laughs> don't Google that. Um, I really... <laughs> it's the room with it. When there's no cameras, my brain is way more Boston and inappropriate. I apologize for our young <laughs> listeners and maintain you shouldn't Google that. Please don't. Uh, now, the thing about this is comics, however you're reading them, are you're reading them. And I really appreciate the fact that we have an outlet to tell you, like, if you can't afford them, just get them however you can. Like, no matter what, grow that world. And then when you can't afford them, buy them. Don't bootleg them. Don't steal them. Go to the library. Take a legal route to get them for free. Libraries are 
the best thing about society. I don't know why people hate on libraries. They have movies. They have music. They have knowledge. They have books. They have everything. Libraries, I'm at libraries all the time. If you want to stalk me, go to L.A. libraries. You'll find me at one. Don't I'm not going to tell you which one. It's uh, there's luckily there's a hundred branches of the LA Library, so I mean I guess check them all <laughs> and accidentally read some books. Yeah. I see your master plan see? out, and you I'm see? on board. If they're in there and they've already gone to ten, they're going to stop driving and they're mm-hmm. going to pick up some books. I'll be yep. safely in another one. You know, but you'll have picked up books. So however you can get comics legally, do so. And then when you have money later, because life ebbs and flows, buy comics. But if you can't yet. Read comics and yes. let us know what you thought. Also, I love this because uh, if your library doesn't have enough comics, let, let let your librarian know that you would want that. And if there's a title you'd like to get, you can help them out. Mm-hmm. by They will be able to turn around and say, look, I can prove that we have demand for this. I can prove that there's an audience for this when they're making their requests. Because they have a lot of tough decisions to make about how to allocate the unfortunately limited resources of libraries. But there are a lot of librarians out there doing the work of making sure to get this stuff and make it available. Uh, just like McGar Mentions is librarian. Whoever you are, you're a hero. You got Saga. So McGar Mentions can read it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I was at a library last week and they had floppies. They had individual <laughs> issues of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. So we, the future is bright, and things are going the right direction. That's awesome. Uh, T. Helm at Helm Media says, Totally digging the new giant-sized Collider Heroes. It's like y'all tricked Collider Video into giving us more sweatiness. Yeah, now you said it on the air. I they're going to be they're in. They're not listening. <laughs> so I'm letting you guys know that we know. Oh yeah. Moving on to Tracy <laughs> J. Hutchings at Poet in a Glass. Coy and Amy, thank you for continuing. Hashtag Collider Heroes, listening to Giant Size Podcast right now. Really, really appreciate what you guys do. Helps when I'm sitting here writing ads. Thank you so much. Collider, be well. Oh, thank this is just you. So kind. Uh, and I think, so the reason I have this one is the kindness, the appreciation, and the fact that like I love that people can do stuff while they're listening because then I don't feel bad about ranting about Saga and War of Realms for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like This gives us a different flavor to dive into. I went on a full tear today, and I feel like you might have gotten stuff done. I never do that ever, so... Squirrel Girl is totally not talking about this uh, so, yeah, we both can go on more of our rants and we have more freedom to talk about it. So thank you for appreciating it. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I think hashtag giant size heroes is probably the one I'm going to start using. So if that helps, if you want to reach out to us for this specific thing, hashtag giant size heroes, I think, is the is the move. But also, thank you for the compliments. Just don't forget you can also send us questions. Oh, yeah. And, we, and we, I found two questions as well as all the compliments. Uh, Swiss Flavors at Swiss Flavors says, hey, Coy and Amy, huge Clatter Heroes fan. You've piqued my interest in reading comics. Yes. I dove the Bendis Eminent all-new X. X-Men run. I'm a little lost on where this all leads. I finished the run. I want to connect to other books, including X-Men Red. Can you help me? Okay. Great question. Uh, so if you've done the Bendis Imminent all new, you probably also want to do his Uncanny, which was running at the same time. Um, uh, and I should have written it down, but there is a chain that can take you from there to catching up. Uh, because they wrapped up Uncanny with the big 600, and then a new team took over. But you could probably just jump forward to the beginning of Red, honestly. If you want to put the steps in the middle in place, you're going to want to read uh, the X-Men Gold and Blue series, and before that, the Uncanny run uh, that was the bad guys. Oh, man, I should have written down my answer, Coy. <laughs> I think uh, you can pick up X-Men Red alone because it is a little dense and confusing only in the mythology. But, like, X-Men mythology is always that way. There's no real, like, jump-on point for picking up X-Men that is clean because it's been going on for so many years. But X-Men Red does a really great job summarizing an issue one, diving into the universe, and Jean Grey is a new leader, so you get to a new flavor. So I think X-Men one number, Red number one is fine. Yeah, you can chain them together, and it's fun to do that to get people's different takes. But you can jump in with X-Men Red. Uh, There's about to be a clean break jumping in point when uh, the Hickman stuff hits. So House of X and Powers of X are about to come out and and change everything again. Uh, But there was was just an uncanny relaunch this past fall uh, after the color book named ones, after the all-new, all-different stuff coming out of Secret Wars. Uh, it's so a lot, y'all. Technically, you can go all new, all different into gold and, and blue into red. That would be the technical way to do it, but I you don't have to. think we're missing one or two runs in there. Well, X-Men Black was like uh, side stuff. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Uh, okay, our, you our, know what? I'm going to just say we're going to return to this question next week, and I will have written down my answer, and I'm Swiss Flavors. Please stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you, Swiss Flavors. And our sweaty question of the week, Clay Williams at ClayFilm100, a very vocal. I love this guy on Twitter. Uh, what websites do you guys use to stay up to date on comic book news? 
actual comic, not movies or TV, like comics. And I wanted to ask you this because you know that print side of the world more than I do. This is a great question. I thought it was sweaty. Yeah, there are uh, a few different sites out there. It depends partly also whether you want breaking news or sort of reviews and commentary. Um, one of my favorite sites, which is just always – Always in-depth, always responsible from what I've seen. Uh, Heidi McDonald runs a site called Comics Beat. She's been a comics journalist going back to the 80s. Uh, and, and Comics Beat will publish the major, like, that's, that's usually the link you'll find me sharing when there's, like, a publication data story, when there's uh, major industry changes uh, and stuff like that. I go back to that site over and over again. It's either called Comic Beat or Comics Beat, but you'll find it if you look that up and look up Heidi McDonald. She's the editor-in-chief. Obviously, she doesn't write all the articles herself. Um, these days, comics also get coverage in a bunch of major media outlets like Publishers Weekly. Hmm. Um, we'll run good, reputable articles about comics. Uh, you can also still – a lot of the exclusives and new book announcements will land still at the, the sort of big two of CBR and Newsarama. Yeah, Newsarama and CBR are my personal two. That's why you'll see a lot of links. I, I tweet from those two. I didn't know Comics Beat until you just said it. So th- there's, there's a bunch – but the flavor is what you're going to be looking for is like what type of – because there's comics is so diverse. So try those four. Yeah, and I would love to hear your favorite sites that aren't on this list. I know there's also great reviews and commentary going on at a bunch of different places. I frequently find myself linked to good stuff at uh, Women Write About Comics. Hmm. That's just a big collective of a bunch of writers doing interesting features on comics, less about breaking news, more about commentary. I end up on comicbook.com, Cosmic Book News, and CBR the most. Okay. Uh, so check those out and let, let us know because – this is the point of the show, is, oh, is furthering that. And a shout-out to Brian Cronin at Comic Book Resources, who has been doing for years a series of features that do uh, detailed, interesting deep dives into comic book history. Comic Book Legends Revealed. Uh, he does a lot of that. You'll recognize these series if you've run into things before, where he, he debunks myths, he investigates abandoned storylines. Uh, he's, he's got a really cool body of work over there. So read these sites, read these comics, read Saga! And most of all, tweet us and let us know what you think because it is always a pleasure. We thank you guys and hope you're enjoying Giant Size. And uh, do let us know. And until next week, stay Stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.